Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Kelly Bacon, Principal and Studio Leader Strategy of AECOM, discusses predictive analytics plus wearables in corporate environments, the privacy factor. I'm Steve Binder. I'm a faculty with Cornet, and welcome to our Emerging Trends Theater. I'm pleased to introduce Kelly Bacon. She is America's practice lead for strategy for AECOM. And she's going to talk about wearables in the corporate environment. So, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Is this on? Am I on? Okay, great. Thank you, everyone. Oh, I have to do the turn left, so I'm going to be this angle. So, um, before I get into uh, you know, an introduction of myself and, and, and the topic, there's a little bit of housekeeping here that we want to do. So first we want to thank the Mohawk Group for um, being the sponsor. So thank you Mohawk for your patronage and also giving me the opportunity to be up here and, and share one of my favorite topics with everyone and explore um, kind of where predictive analytics and wearables specifically are going in the workplace. So, so thank you. Also take a moment to um, orient yourself with the emergency exits. If you're not sure where they are, they are in the app. I hope you all have the app. It's pretty fantastic. Should keep you all organized here this week. So, and of course, if you um, like what you hear here today, Cornette is uh, dedicated to um, upping the quality of these presentations. So would love it to kind of like a Yelp review. If you like what you hear, please go in and, and give us some feedback. Uh, we'd appreciate it. So here's a, a snapshot of, of how I'm gonna be spending our time today. We have about 20 minutes. And um, I really want to give you an introduction both of myself, um, of AECOM, what we're doing in this space, and really my, my um, experience in this topic and my interest in it, leading into really the potential, the potential of, uh, of wearables, predictive analytics, biosensors, where it's going, which uh, industries have been able to leverage it. And then we're moving into kind of the issue, if you will, in corporate real estate, commercial real estate, the, the issue is privacy. And I'm sure many of you have a lot of uh, opinions on that. And, I was going to suggest maybe an interactive session, but I, I see some folks that are coming in, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but then really getting into where some organizations and industries um, have found the solution. They're um, addressing privacy head on, and then just a little bit of what next, since it is the theme of Cornette. So, um, so just a little bit about myself. So um, as I was introduced, I lead the workplace practice for the Americas with Strategy Plus um, within AECOM. Um, Strategy Plus is part of the Buildings and Places Group, which is all the design disciplines, architecture, interiors, design planning and economics, et cetera. And, and we're a specialty group that uh, focuses on the changing nature of work. So we do a number of things, comprehensive workplace strategies, a lot of change management. Um, uh, there's a, a high demand for change management. Workplaces are changing at a rapid pace. We also do pilot advisory. Um, and what you're seeing here is this slide also represents a lot of the thought leadership. Um, we've been really fortunate to be engaged by the federal government on a series to participate in the Workplace Matters series. What you're seeing here appears a, a few. Um, last year we introduced activity-based planning, change management, and then my personal favorite is return on investment, which is looking beyond the typical real estate metrics and really looking at the impact on the individual and the organization as a whole. And then this one here that has not yet been released is Light Matters, and that's been a labor of love for the past year where we're looking at um, new research about circadian rhythms, what they are, how they impact our, our physiological well-being, um, and then it moves into design best practices um, on how to leverage artificial and natural lighting. I'm mentioning that because we're at a stage now where we would love to test the hypotheses that that paper and that research has proposed, and we'd like to be able to do it through sensors. And as we work towards introducing pilots across a bunch of different organizations, 
we keep hitting the um, privacy obstacle, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. So, um, and then this little circle here, we've been doing a lot on wellness. There's a lot about that available online. This, or, um, this presentation is going to be available to you all. I encourage you to click it, look at it. I'm happy to talk about that, but that's another subject for another time. So just a little bit about myself. So um, my personal, my academic background is in sociology, communication strategy, and then I have a master's in predictive analytics and behavioral research methods. So a little bit different than um, I think than many of us in the cor corporate real estate industry and in the design disciplines. But for 20 years, I have worked in the real estate industry. So working with um, uh, cross-disciplinary, and that's one of my favorite parts about being with AECOM, is all the different disciplines that we have exposure to, access with, and can collaborate with. Um, I spent, um, so I'm, I've been a member of Cornet for a number of years. I was one of the founding members four or five years or so ago. I see Morgan here is part of the, the committee of the real estate, in, um, real estate and Technology Committee in New York. It was a new committee that we formed about five or six years ago, really looking at how real estate um, or how technology is changing the real estate industry. So I've also spoken on a couple different topics at Social Media Week. Um, I, I annually present at the Cornet Tech Series, the D Series, about design issues. Um, and then I spent a few years talking about cognitive ergonomics, which is looking at um, how our minds work and how we process thoughts and then designing the physical environment to be more conducive to our thought processes. And then really the human-machine interaction, I'm just really interested in how technology is changing us as a society. Let me be clear, I'm not a coder, I don't write code, I'm not a programmer. It's really more of a societal context to see how we interact with technology. So obviously, um, I'm a bit of a data geek and this subject is near and dear to my heart. So in that light, I'm going to share a few of my kind of technology um, heroes, if you will, some kind of geeky heroes. Um, my first one being Jeffrey Hammenbacher. Some of you may be familiar with Jeffrey Hammenbacher. He's the founder of Cloudera. Um, but the quote here that you have is that you know, he infamously parted ways from Facebook. He was um, not one of the founding four, but he was definitely one of the um, early uh, I want to say before, the, the top 100. And he was part of bringing the platform to a much stronger level. And he infamously left right at their pinnacle of their growth. And when asked why, and it was somewhat controversial because he was in a really good position um, in a really rapidly growing company. And when he was asked why, he said this. He said, because the best minds of my generation are thinking about how to get people to click your ads. And what's not up here is that he finished it with, and that sucks, right? <laughs> So, and I tend to agree, and so just in terms of, you know, the, the program that I just mentioned that I graduated, my master's, I was the only person in commercial real estate or design or the construction industry in that program. Everybody else was focused on marketing, um, and really it was about consumer behavior. And um, really, if you kind of think about how you study the consumption of products, it's exactly the same methodology of how we consume space. It's the same way that you would study it. Here's another one. Now, this is Kevin Kelly, not to be confused with the Kevin Kelly from GSA who I co-presented with last year. This is a different Kevin Kelly who is the, was the founder of Wired Magazine um, and the curator um, until he stepped down a few years back. And so he has a whole body of work that really looks at the, the, the trajectory of technology. I won't get into that. That's also another whole um, subject matter in itself. But really, his whole premise or platform is that humans created technology, but we are no longer in control. Technology, or what he calls the technium, is on a trajectory all of its own. So it's going to do what it's going to do, and we either are, are getting on board and, and enabling it and empowering it and going with it. But if we, start, if we try to fight it, um, it is, it's, you know, the train is leaving the station. 
So here's another one. Um, now I'm, I'm mentioning both Ben Weber and then there's gonna, you're gonna see something, a, a woman, Arlene Ducode. And I'm sharing this specifically because the original submission for this was to be a panel discussion. Um, because I believe Humanize, um, some of you may be familiar with the book People Analytics that came out about five, seven years or so ago. Um, started at MIT. Um, he has now gone on to start his own firm and he's introduced the sociometric badges, which really what that does is aggregates behavior. Right? So people wear them and it, into, and, it, and it has an algorithm that gauges our interactions and can give you feedback in terms of the positivity or the productivity or the quality of the interaction. So it's really interesting. And so just that statement alone is the idea that um, it will do for the social sciences what the microscope did for biology. Again, for those of us who are data geeks, I mean, this is huge. Anybody that's ever um, familiar with the social sciences, it used to be very tedious, very cumbersome. Anybody who watches the show Big Bang, any, any fans there? They always make fun of the social scientists because it's not a real science. Um, but data has now enabled it to be a real science. We can now pose questions, frame questions, and get the answers. Um, and it's really interesting. So now I'm going to introduce you to a young woman named Layla. So two weeks ago, um, I had cleared my schedule and at, on a weekend working on this particular presentation. And I got a pleasant surprise from an old friend of mine who we went to college with. I haven't seen him in forever. Um, he was in town with his family. His wife had a show to go to, so he had his kids. So we got together for coffee, right? And so any of you who spent any time, Layla's six years old uh, and her brother is four. And so the kids were kind of running around while Paul and I caught up. And you know how that goes, where kids kind of interact, interject, and then completely ignore you. At one point, she ran up to me and she said, did you know Alexa's spying on you? I said, I did. We're going to get back to her shortly. So before I get into kind of the, the potential and the implications, I want to talk about um, the types of sensors that we are seeing out there, the types of sensors that ACOM has been experimenting with, um, that many other organizations have been experimenting with. We're focused mostly on wearables because the interest there lies on the ability to connect your physiological data, your biometrics, um, to the built environment. This is the whole premise of smart buildings, intuitive buildings, reactionary buildings. Um, there's a lot here you're seeing in terms of motion sensors, pressure sensors, those tend to be used for occupancy, um, acoustic light, temperature, those are environmental comfort. Now we're starting to get a little bit more advanced here with the sociometric badges that I mentioned. We've done a lot of experimentation with eye beacons in terms of tracking. That gets a little tricky because it connects to your phone and your phone is connected to your personal data, your identity, unique identity. Um, retina scanners, facial recognition, we're starting to see those introduced into buildings, really more for security purposes, but there's quite a bit of potential there as well. All right, move this a little closer here. Um, and RFID chips, this, this is something, you know, those of you who are pet owners, you know, you've been inserting chips into your dog so that you can find it. There's a huge debate over whether or not the implications, you know, in terms of um, what it can do to human society, right? So here's the demand. So some of you may be familiar with the, the term quantified self, but if, if you're not, I'm going to introduce it here. So in a nutshell, it's essentially the concept of self-knowledge through self-tracking with technology. Um, and, it's, and it's the idea that we want to know. I now want to know what makes me better, smarter, brighter. I want to know what makes me perform better. So I'm tracking it. I'm learning about myself. I'm taking the initiative to learn more about my performance. So I'm going to go a little bit uh, quicker about this. You know, this is a, a statistic from a few years ago in terms of wearables and where the interest is. Um, and I know this is relatively hard to see, but you can see that 42% are interested in really more of the wrist. Um, we've seen clips, you know, under clothing. All of these other things, you see a lesser interest. But I'm also going to remind you all that it took the Kindle 
um, about three times to be introduced into the market before people um, were ready for it and, and agreed to it. It took Oprah actually endorsing it in order for it to hit the mainstream. So my, my prediction here is that this is just going to continue to grow and, and people may not be ready for the glasses now or the contacts, which is one of the third ones, um, but it's, it's going there. So and here's just an example of the types of sensors in the working environment. I'm going to go a little bit quicker. So this is interesting here in terms of the quantified self. So this statistic is actually already two years old. And at this point, from this um, article about the quantified self, there were 60,000 quantified self apps available. Um, and again, if, t if technology years are like dog years, this is already way old. I would be very curious if anybody wants to look up this statistic and share it back with me. I'm sure it's in the hundreds of thousands now. So you know, here's the potential. So obviously, and there's a lot out there, there's not a lot in the public realm, you know, the military are, are kind of on the cusp, you know, the cutting edge of doing this. They obviously, NASA and, and astronauts and whatnot, um, are measuring performance in extreme harsh environments. The military is doing it. The military is looking at, you know, speed, performance, physiological impacts. Um, sports. Now, I, I will tell you, so as I've been sharing this with people and what I'm talking about, you know, just in the past few days, people have been telling me about, well, the NFL is doing it and the NBA is doing it. And of course, I'm up here with cricket, but um, that just shows you my interest in, or my awareness of sports. But really, the athletes are really doing this. They're tracking everything. You can see the backlift angle, the speed, the impact. All of these things are aggregated. They're using it in draft picks. They're using it to, you know, the composition of their teams. Again, it's about individual performance. So how is it that different from, from us? From, you know, and I'm using the term intentionally corporate athletes. There was an article on Harvard Business Review. I have the citation here for any of you who are interested. Um, in terms of you know, those of us that are knowledge workers, we really have to now look at ourselves and treat our day-to-day -day, um, as athletes do. We have to train for it. It's, it's the whole premise that life isn't a track meet. It's a, it's a marathon. And we have to, you know, we're in it for endurance. And yes, I did just quite quote Ice Cube. So. Um, <laughs> But if you start to look at the implications or the applications of sensor, you know, the idea that the circadian dip, you know, collectively across the group, then the, the building can automatically up the blue lighting, right? If you start to see a collective dip in the CO2 levels, the building can introduce fresh oxygen into the space, which helps your cognitive performance. You know, hydration levels, that's already, people are already tracking that on their wearables, you know, telling you to get a drink. You know, wouldn't it be great if the app could say and point out where the, where the cafe is, if you're a guest or if you're in a multi-tenant floor, you know, where that water is and make a suggestion. So, I mean, there's really a lot of um, potential. So I'm mentioning Multimer. This is a company we've been talking with. If you're not familiar with Multimer, it's all over the internet. There's links, there's, there's um, we've been talking to Arlene Ducode, also started out of um, MIT. And um, it's basically a helmet that, that tracks your neuro patterns. I'm gonna move on a little bit because I'm gonna run out of time for the actual privacy dialogue, but that's really interesting stuff. And um, really they're getting into neuro patterns. So this is something that just came out recently in terms of, um, you know, where is the potential, right? So we keep talking about smart buildings and smart cities, but if we're preventing the ability for the building to talk to the people, then how smart can they really be, right? So and my premise is that, um, you know, we're going from flexible to responsive. The building responds, but where we want it to go is intuitive. It can predict. It knows what you need. It knows what you want. It knows what makes you perform better. So now we're getting into the issue. I don't know if some people weren't sure of the graphic there, but I think everybody's done a version of this, right? Do you all have duct tape or post it on your laptop because of the camera? That's what that represents. So, and here's one that, um, so this is something I know it's relatively hard to read, but a McKinsey study came out not that long ago that points out the different industries that have been able to leverage technological innovation in their industry. 
And guess who is at the very bottom? That's us. That's construction, that's architecture. You know who beat us? Agriculture, farmers. Farmers are better than we are at leveraging digital innovation. And I think a big part of that is because of the concerns of privacy, the fear. So then I ask you this. So what we're talking about here is metadata. We're talking about big data. We're not talking about unique or individual qualifiers. I'm not tracking Doug. I'm not, you know, and how many times he takes a restroom break, or I'm not um, tracking Deborah in terms of, you know, where she's going and if she's goofing off. What, I'm, what we're proposing that we track is the collective, is the collective. Um, but some of these, you know, so we're going to go into controversies, but when you start to think of, um, do we need to protect this kind of data the same way that we do our financial data, right? It's not your unique ID. It's not your financial information. It's not your social security data. But you recognize the symbol here. Some of you may be familiar. It's an infamous one in, in predictive analytics. Some of you may have heard this, where a lot of retail is able to aggregate and take a look at your purchasing behaviors and make assumptions about you. Target got into a little bit of trouble a couple years back. I'm seeing some head noddings. You know where I'm going with this. Is that a young woman, through her purchasing behaviors, buying um, vitamins and a few other things, they were able to determine that she was expecting. So through their marketing genius, they sent um, articles to her saying, congratulations, you're expecting. Well, the problem is, is this young woman was a teenager and she hadn't yet told her family that she was expecting. And that's how they found out that she was going to be a mother. So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. That's the kind of thing that people are worried about. Google just had something when they changed their Chrome from opt-in just recently, very, very subtle, to tracking your cookies. You made it an option to they just made it mandatory. And that's been a huge shift in terms of uh, it's, it's caused a lot of controversy. And of course, Facebook, I think really one of my favorite slides, the Zuckerberg trials, is I think really my favorite part of this was not only just watching our legislators try and understand the internet, the same thing of watching the net neutrality trials, um, but really when Mark Zuckerberg said, you know, when I invented this 10 years ago, I had no idea that I'd be sitting here talking about the world's security, that I would personally be responsible for the world's security. So there are implications, there are things we need to talk about. So, you know, but really what are we talking about? What are the true no negative consequences? So this next series, my graphics people are going to kill me because I do this every year. They give me a great template, and then I throw in a bunch of stuff. I'm going to move a little bit quicker. But here's what's interesting. The U.S. has no um, active privacy laws that regulates this right now. That's why the net neutrality trials were so interesting. That's why the target was so interesting. I talk about them being controversies because they didn't break any laws. The EU does, though, and again, this will be available to you all, um, but the EU, uh, and they update it. They introduced it in 2012, they updated it in 2014, and then they just updated again in 2016. So a lot of the sensor companies that we're working with, and those of you that are doing your own exploration in sensors, you should ask about that. And if they follow the EU privacy rules, you, you can feel comfortable and confident um, that they're protecting the data and that they're owning the data and they're not using the data for any other purposes other than for insights. And so that's a really important one for you all to be aware of. Same types of things, this will be available as a reference. Um, so what are the solutions? So here's, so this is interesting. This slide was supposed to have a bunch of logos from a lot of different landlords, and I will tell you that I spoke to four of them. Not one of them wanted to go on record because they were afraid if I stood up here and shared that building X or landlord Z is introducing retina scanners or thumbprint scanners, that they would be worried of scaring away prospective tenants. Meanwhile, on the other side, even as they shared with me that certain demographics, certain um, geographies are asking for it, they're expecting it. So here's my suggested solution. 
It's about the option. Give people the option. We want it. Again, I go back to the premise of I want to know what makes me smarter. I want to know what makes me better. I want to know if the, if the reason why I have a headache right now is because I didn't eat or if it's because the oxygen levels in the room are bad. I want to know if the LED lights are what's helping me think more clearly versus the fluorescents that are there. People want it. So for those of us, so this is a, a bit of a, a shift. I'm gonna, so the shift is that We've gone from, you know, I think that a lot of real estate and organizations think, you know, we have to be the enforcers. We have to make this happen. We have to put it on our employees. We have to, you know, introduce the concept, but it's not that. Real estate should start to look at themselves, real estate organizations within, organiza within companies, as enablers. Just outfit the space with the sensors it's, it's, and, and allow it to happen. Make it an option. And the privacy concerns, if people are uncomfortable with it, they do not have to participate, right? If you choose to connect your wearable or your sensor to the integrated network system that is in the building. And that's really where I think it's going because you know, right now we, this whole conference has talked about you know, um, the war on talent and how workspace design you know, can impact that, can contribute to it, organizational culture. You know, my, my premise is, is that people want it and they're gonna be looking for it and the demand is only gonna continue to grow and those organizations and those buildings and those companies that empower it um, are gonna be the employers of choice. Back to Layla. So I asked Layla, I said, does it bother you that Alexa's tracking you? And she's like, nah, she does everything I tell her to do. <laughs> Just a little snippet, we're working on a, a bunch of tools in terms of a well-being audit connected to a sensor network, an app that's also connected to a sensor network. So selfishly, I'm really hoping that um, everybody is, is um, you know, intrigued by the idea of sensor networks, intrigued by the idea of empowering it, because we certainly, as an organization at AACOM, are, are ensuring that, um, that we're ready and we can answer that demand. So, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org forward slash podcast.